Reconstructionist Radio presents a War Room production, Once Dead, where brothers and sisters in the faith share God's grace upon their lives, how they were once spiritually dead in their trespasses and sins, but are now kingdom-driven by the grace of God so undeserved. My name is Jan Prorok, and I was once dead. I was born in Pelzen in the Czech Republic in February 1990, three short months after the fall of communism in my country. My father was a son of a professional party apparatchik, a professional functionary of the Communist Party, and my mother was the daughter of an expatriated farmer. Only her pregnancy and the fall of the regime saved her from being incarcerated. A strange mixture indeed. When I was born, my father quit his job, saying he would be at home to look after me until I went to school, then he would start working again. He never did. My mother was the one who fed the family. I remember seeing her work her hands to the bone, sitting in a computer translating and programming, whilst my father spent his days watching TV and working out. How did this work for them? Not well. My father could not stomach being supported by a woman, so from time to time he would come and say, I want a divorce. My mother fought for the relationship again and again. Sometimes he would not talk to her for weeks. Sometimes he would just scream at her. Sometimes he would demonstratively go and beat or choke one of the dogs we had at home. I remember my mother being constantly depressed. She often talked about suicide. She often told me, I can't take it anymore. I'll just kill myself. Or I'll kill him. Some days, when I came home and I did not find her sitting in her computer, I ran to the garage, expecting to find her hanging there. I was in a similar place. Ever since the kindergarten, I was heavily bullied. You lived in a small town, so this quote-unquote tradition of being bullied went with me anywhere I went, be it school, a children's club, local Boy Scouts. But it got a bit better after I threw one of the bullies through a glass door and moved to a school in Pilsen. Still, as far as my memory goes, I was depressed and often thought about suicide. I'd also lie, lie, and lie some more to cover the lies up. I remember that once, when I was maybe eight years old, my class teacher took us to a local Roman Catholic church, and I remember not liking it. I didn't like the stale, musty air, and it was cold inside. But still, for some reason, after that, I made a small crucifix out of paper and tried to pray. My father caught me and very angrily told me he would not have anything like that in his house. So I figured out that this God thing just wasn't for me. When I was around 10, I was at an internet forum about computer games. And one of the threads asked, what religion are you? I wanted to be cool, so I picked Satanist. But after that, a guy contacted me and started asking me about Satanism. I didn't want to admit that I had lied. So I searched the internet, downloaded various materials, including the Satanic Bible, and I started studying. A whole new world opened to me. Suddenly, I had somewhat of a worldview. Suddenly, I had a purpose. Be your own God. I had an enemy, the stupid Christians and all the other weaklings. I understood why there was pain in the world, because of the stupid Christians and all the other weaklings. I had a force to drive me. Hate. 
Simple enough. So, when I was 11, I smoked weed for the first time. I decorated the walls of my room with porn posters. I started drinking hard liquor when I was 13, I think. I still hated my life, but there were people who understood me. Various metal and rap artists talking about hate, death, suicide, murder, depression, and drugs. But it was not that simple. All through high school, I was one of the outcasts, which was understandable with my half-shaven head, spikes, heavy boots, and bullet belts. I kept hearing I would not accomplish anything in life, and I did not care. I was searching for a philosophy or religion which could explain the world to me, which would explain the pain and suffering that I kept seeing in my life. If atheism is true, I'll just kill myself. There's no purpose to all of this. But what if it's not? What if? I studied Northern Paganism, Islam, Anarchism, Esoteric forms of Nazism, Falkish Satanism, all the while keeping one common denominator, hate for Christians and Christianity. I kept suppressing the truth of God in unrighteousness. This search for the meaning of existence did not prevent me from spending most of my afternoons and evenings in a pub and being addicted to porn, for, as the scripture says, the works of the flesh are clearly revealed, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lustfulness, fightings, jealousies, angers, rivalries, divisions, heresies, envyings, and that was pretty much my whole life. When my 18th birthday came, a whole new level of freedom came with it. Not only could I now sit in the pub legally, but I could write my own apologies for school absence. I almost did not graduate, but somehow I did. So I went partying with my classmates, and that very night, my father hanged himself. I remember being woken up in the morning by a ringing telephone in my flat. I did not have my wallet nor my glasses. My face was all bloody, and my mother told me the news. I did not care. A few months before that, my father came with another divorce proposal, and my mother said yes. So he moved out, he took pretty much all of our money, and was harassing us. So I was just a step from sending him to a hospital. And now, he was dead. I suddenly felt empty. I had hated him for so many years that now there was an empty space inside of me, and I filled it with religious satanism. I got to one of the most intense and extreme forms of satanism. Incantations, ritual self-mutilation, supporting abortion precisely because it is murder, all that. I knew God was real and I was open about hating him. I was open about being a slave to Satan and I was proud of it. I made a religion out of fulfilling the lusts of my flesh. I was by nature a child of wrath even as others and I was proud of it. And yet, a crisis came. I was thinking, if God is real, then maybe Christianity might be the way to go. The cross had always fascinated me. I did not understand it. I did not know that Christ died on the cross for sinners, that he was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification, that for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I was not able to explain it, but I knew that the cross of Christ somehow meant peace, that it meant purity and cleansing. So I wrote to a few Czech quote-unquote Christian groups on Facebook. I even wrote to a pastor whom a person in one of those groups recommended to me. Looking back at it, it was a cry for help. 
and I got no answer except for, you're possessed, there's no hope for you. At least, this is what I understood. This proved to me that Christianity was false. If they really had the truth, they would for sure be more zealous and excited about it, like I was about my satanism. Heck, I was willing to kill myself for my religion, and they were not willing to answer a simple message. Yes, I said I was willing to kill myself. I came to the conclusion that Satan wanted me to take a gun and go for a school shooting spree, but I knew I was too weak for that. I believed I needed to worship Satan more heartily, so I started listening to Antestor, Horde, Mordecai, Pantocrator, Crimson Moonlight, and other Christian black metal bands to get into the quote-unquote worshipful mindset. And I liked the Bible page on Facebook to get more reverent attitude in my satanic religion so that I could go and kill myself and many other people. And that is how I got exposed to the gospel. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. One day, I believe about three weeks before I would have gone to a school with a gun, I came across a devotional video on that Bible page. I wanted to have some good laugh about those stupid Christians, so I watched it. And I was amazed. All the Christians I had met up till then were either bitter or did not know what they believed, or they were the most sexually promiscuous and heavily partying hypocrites I knew. Even we, on a secular high school, could not measure up to what they did at the Roman Catholic high school just across the street. But this was different. This Australian preacher seemed to know what he was talking about, and he was excited about it, and full of life. He talked about the peace, joy, and strength he had in Christ, and I could not stop watching. And at once, I was watching a bunch of Christian rappers rapping about loving life, about serving God, about God changing their lives and bringing them from death to life. I watched testimony of one of them, how he forced his girlfriend to have an abortion to murder their child in the womb, and how he later repented and received forgiveness in Christ, how he was rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved son. My world was shattered. Suddenly, death did not seem beautiful. Suddenly, abortion did not seem right. Suddenly, I thought I actually wanted to live. The truth about God and his law, which was written in my very being, was screaming in my ears. So, like many times before, I took a knife and started cutting myself. I needed to stick to the original plan. And there I was, cutting myself, bleeding, hearing voices in my head telling me not to listen to that stuff. That is just God messing with me. Stick to the plan. Do not listen. You can make it. You can kill those people and yourself. I, I don't want to die. Not yet. I realized how enslaved I was. I experienced the truth of Ephesians 2, that I was in the grip of the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And in that moment, I knew that there are only two ways. The way of darkness, death and destruction. The way that will kill me and send me to hell and many others with me and the way of life, of truth, of forgiveness and joy. And I understood that I could not do this by myself. 
I could not make myself walk on the way of life. I needed God to have mercy on me. And I knew the mercy was in Christ Jesus and the God-man whom I had blasphemed nearly every day for 10 long years. So I dropped the knife and I said, Okay, Jesus, I do not know you, but I know you are the only one who can help me. Do whatever you want with me. If you want, send me to the Middle East and have some wacko chop my head off. But now save me. I need you. Turn me from that way of death. And he did. God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved me, even when I was dead in my transgressions, made me alive together with Christ. In that moment, I felt peace like I never felt before. I felt love, joy, forgiveness. It has been over 70 years and still the words just can't express it. I remember that the next morning I was walking our dogs. I slipped on ice fell on the ground, hit my elbow very hard, and as I was lying on the wet ice, instead of cursing, I said to myself, man, the world is beautiful. I really was made into a new man. I knew God changed me. I understood he had a claim on my life. I understood I had to become a Christian. So I started reading the Bible and praying to know what it means to be a Christian. And only then did I read in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. But the story did not end there. Immediately after I became a Christian, I started sharing my faith, listening to and reading everything I could get my hands on. And I started to speak against abortion. And I understood that I needed a church. I needed God's people to serve and grow alongside with. So I started attending the nearest quote-unquote Protestant church in Carlsbad, a small spa town 20 miles from my home. As I was reading the scriptures, I read about election and predestination, but at the church, all I heard about was free will. I read the law and was trying to apply it, but at the church I heard, man, that's the Old Testament. I read that he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. But at the church, I heard that it was about having your personal relationship with Jesus and being nice. So I figured out that I really needed a pastor to tell me what the Bible meant because I apparently was reading it all wrong. After like half a year, I got into trouble with the leadership because I went to a music festival to hand out tracts and to share the faith with the people there. And the leadership apparently didn't like it. But, well... When I saw the unbelieving children of the elders, the overall passivity of the church, and the fact that one of the elders joyfully shared with me that he watches porn with his colleagues at work so that he can share the gospel with them, I was pretty much done. I might as well listen to sermons at home with my mother, who was by the grace of God slowly but surely also becoming a Christian. Add to that the fact that I every day exchanged thousands of words with a Christian girl from Slovakia, whom I met through Facebook, and with whom I was quickly falling in love, so I did not really have time to drag myself to Carl's bed anyway. 
Long story short, I saw this girl drifting away from her, well, Jesus is my boyfriend kind of faith, and into depression. And one day she wrote to me, come or I'll kill myself. So I did. My three days visit in Slovakia lasted nearly a whole year, and it was one big pile of mess. Because all I had known until then was baptized pragmatism and humanistic psychologizing, I took it to its logical conclusion. I knew that sleeping together was a wrong thing to do, but hey, God can use it to show her that he cares for her, you know. If she will see that I'll do anything for her, surely she will come back to God. And when she does, we will clean up our act and I'll be able to return to God too. As I cannot come back to God before I behave well enough and I cannot behave well enough because she needs me to sleep with her, blah, blah, blah. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's how I thought because, you know, it's about your own personal relationship with Jesus and he understands. So, in the meanwhile, I was getting deeper and deeper into anarchism and environmentalist extremism. And I did not see a problem with it. You know, it's about going to heaven when you die. But as with all disobedience, it did not help at all. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. My girlfriend kept breaking up with me like every three weeks. She was suicidal, I was depressed and suicidal, and more and more mentally unstable. I started hearing a knocking on the door when no one was there. I left with a layer of trash on my floor and I was hopeless because I believed I could not quote-unquote return to God before I cleaned up my act and I just was not able to do so. But one day I was on Facebook and I came across a Christian hardcore band video. It was like if God told me, I'm still here, I'm not letting you go, you are mine. I went to the streets and prayed for hours. I repented of my fornication, of having my girlfriend as my idol. And when I finished praying, my depression and instability were gone. I told my girlfriend that things had to change, that faith in Christ and obedience to God were the only thing that could help her and us. Long story short, she gave me a choice, her or God. I chose the latter. And in a day or two, she came back with a knife. But, well, I'm still here, so you can see she wasn't successful. I returned to the Czech Republic and was just overwhelmed by joy and gratefulness. It was good to be back, to be day by day trying to faithfully walk with Christ. In my zeal, I started attending a local Salvation Army church plant. And what I heard again and again in the sermons was that we are saved through faith, but by the works of obedience, we keep ourselves in the state of salvation. In other words, we are saved by our faith plus works. And I swallowed it hook, line and sinker. Apparently, after more than two years of being a Christian, after a year of attending a church few times a week, I did not know the gospel. So I tried to get saved by my works. In a short while, I slept like three hours a day and regretted sleeping so much. I was going on caffeine and regretted spending so much money on it. And I was trying to switch to breatharianism so that I would not have to buy food and could give more money away. And all the time I knew I was nowhere close to being good enough to be saved. For it is written, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I was seeking spiritual high after spiritual high to make myself feel saved. But it just did not work. I was constantly, quote unquote, losing my salvation. So when not on a spiritual high, often I wanted to die. 
Why bother if I'm going to end up in hell anyway? Another thing that kept me going was that during that time, I met a young, smart, beautiful, and zealous Christian lady who later became my wife. And then, one day, I saw a video on YouTube. It was the infamous, HOW DARE YOU, video by Mark Driscoll. And I thought to myself, man, this guy is screaming a lot. Maybe he can kick me enough to keep me saved. So I started devouring his sermons, and I heard about grace, a totally new concept to me. I heard explained that for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This pitted me and my then-girlfriend Bara against all our Christian friends. Man, if it was only by grace, people could just go and live like devils. Works definitely play a role in your salvation. Of course you can lose it by lack of works. God used this situation tremendously to bind us two together, to make us rely on him and on his word. Why? Because it is written. It was a struggle. We lost many friends, but we could not back down. The message of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, was just too precious. So I moved to Prague. I started studying at the seminary. We got married. We attended a church which spoke about grace. We were a very popular couple in the Prague Christian community. I played in a Christian hardcore band. What could go wrong? But still, is it really all about believing in predestination, being quote-unquote relevant, not cussing too much, and then going to heaven when you die? I started studying theology more seriously. I looked everywhere, including the cults, to see what they were about. Methodism, mysticism, Roman Catholicism, Jehovah's Witnesses, liberation theology, Christian universalism. And I started seeing that theology, and I mean the theology of the Reformation, really matters. Which meant our popularity started to decline and our friends disappear. And then our pastors said that Muslims were our brothers in faith. It was the time to leave. And from the side of the leadership of the church, our leaving was nasty. But that is what Jesus promised to us. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Suddenly, we had just a handful of friends left. We thought we were the only reformed people in our country. One day, an acquaintance of ours told us that a few people were about to plant a quote-unquote reformed church in Prague. We became a part of the team, and it did not take long before I started preaching there and joined the other two preaching elders. They preach salvation by grace alone through faith alone. True. They preach predestination. True. But they were also the two foremost Czech proponents of a recent aberrant antinomian theological system and were all the time telling me that I should check it out. And when I found out we could not go preach on the streets because the unbelievers, according to them, were not under the law, it really started to seem rather funky. The more I studied the system, the more holes I saw in it. But it made me study God's law more and to study the covenantal continuity of scripture. At the same time, after reading He Shall Have Dominion by Kenneth Chantry, I became post-millennialist and my world was turned upside down. So there actually is hope. What we do actually counts. The world will actually be saved. How should we then live? I was already somewhat familiar with presuppositional apologetics, so I was facing a question. 
God's law is apparently still at least somewhat binding, and all these Bonsons, Gentries, Moorcrafts, McDermott's, they have so much right. And I know a guy whom I love who believes these same things and is a friend of many of these guys. Could it really be that they all jumped a shark with where they go with God's law? It did not make sense to me. So I listened to the McDermott Hall debate, and I can still hear Joel's words ringing in my ears. If God's law is just, then it is obligatory. But if it's unjust, you will have to tell me why. I knew what that meant, because Romans 7.12 says that indeed the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. It meant we were going to lose friends again. It meant we are probably going to be forced out of our church. I will definitely lose the preaching position and the money connected with it. We will be called cultists because if God's law is binding, and it is, our duty, among other things, is abolitionism. I might as well lose all my Christian clients, but there was no turning back. After I preached the binding validity and authority of God's law for all people and in all areas of life, I was told by the people in the church that I wanted to stone people for speeding, that I was a dangerous extremist without the fear of God, that I was not allowed to ever come to the front again, not even to read scripture. We tried to explain what we really believed, but to no avail. And so we left. That was in October 2016. We tried to find a church that would preach at least the fullness of milk and would care for the orphan, the widow and the stranger, that would show at least a hint of desire to disciple the nations, but again, to no avail. So we meet with our friends, we try to promote faith for all of life, and in all of that, we are being greatly encouraged, helped and exhorted by the ministry of people around Reconstructionist Radio, American Vision, Chalcedon, and by our abolitionist brothers and sisters. We are grateful for the fullness of life and hope and glory which the biblical view of the world and history brings. Our God is truly great beyond words. By the time you hear this, by God's grace, I'll have translated seven Reformed and Reconstructionist books, about 1,300 pages, and will be working on many more. We are also engaged in abolitionist work. We are translating and writing articles, and we hope to launch a Check Faith for All of Life website this year. We are going little by little, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We try to do our best to follow Paul's words, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Whether it is Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are ours and we are Christ's and Christ is God's. Bohemia has been asleep for too long. So we pray that God would raise up followers of Hus, Zishka, and Komensky, that he would raise up men about whom it will be said, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. May Christ be glorified. I was a proud hater of God. I was an empty, fornicating confessor. I was a wishy-washy, blaspheming liberal. But God is more gracious faithful and loving than I could ever imagine. My name is Jan Prorok, and by the grace of the Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I am now kingdom-driven. 
the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.